Kia ora. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday Night Live with uh, Team CP Media, your endurance coaching specialists. I'm uh, James, the understudy tonight, and uh, it's my pleasure to be here, of course, with uh, Team Captain, uh, the man that puts can in Canterbury, of course, Richard Greer. Richard, how are you getting on tonight? <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Yeah, no, really good, James. Uh, good to be back. You've obviously done well. You've got a second start in, in two weeks, so uh, obviously did well there. Yeah, well, look, I've tried to give it a go, and uh, yeah, I've been asked to come back, so uh, I'll take that as a compliment, and I'll uh, keep doing my thing, keep talking, and uh, keep listening, and keep learning, so thanks for having me back. Yeah, good stuff. So tonight's show is brought to us by who tonight, James? Uh, tonight, we're uh, in these beautiful tops, which we have been by for the last few weeks, so it's, this is our clothing partner at Team CP, True Fleece Merino. And uh, you can have a look at their fabulous website at nz.truefleece.com. They've got a, uh, an Instagram page. They've got a Facebook page. They've got a YouTube channel. And the best part about this merino clothing, it's all made in New Zealand. It's really good stuff, isn't it? I don't know about you, Richard, but you look pretty sharp in that. <laughs> hey, and probably smell pretty good too. It's not uh, being merino. It's good, isn't it? Um, and yeah, it's, 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 as long as you're looking good, it doesn't really matter how the performance is. Would you agree? Absolutely. And uh, I mean, it's probably masking uh, the fact that you've had a, a huge swift ride tonight. So um, I guess that's a testament to the clothing that no matter what you throw it at, you're always going to smell pretty good. The marina is going to soak it up. So lucky for you. Well, there's a, um, yeah, there's a chance anyway. It does help. Anything helps. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. What a day, eh? How's your day been? Uh, no, good. Yep, yep. Uh, a bunch of clients today, which is great. Big Wednesday, lots on. Uh, as I say, the Zwift, Zwift ride did a running technique session earlier today. So um, yeah, no, it's fantastic. So, and what about yourself, James? Uh, yeah, yeah, a bit of a bit of a mix and match sort of a day. But um, I did get to go for uh, a beautiful run this morning in uh, in New Plymouth, running along the coastal waterway. The sun was out. There was no uh, no wind. Looking up the mountain, it was awesome. And I thought. What a great day to go for a run. So uh, that, that kind of started things off. And here we are at the end of the day back in a room in Canterbury. So what what better way could you finish off a day? It's been pretty good. Yeah, fantastic. So a couple of notices. We've, um, last week we had uh, John Quinn on the show. and It was all about uh, mental skills. And as part of our show, and we'll do it again tonight, giving away a fancy True Fleece Merino beanie that I'm going to show you in the moment. But uh, last week, we were giving a nutrition consultation away with our super awesome dietitian, Kushla Holdaway, and Anton Gibson, who actually sent me a text through um, a day or two afterwards, who obviously was listening on the podcast audio version afterwards. And he said, he said um, my three go-to rules are consistency beats intensity, discipline beats motivation, and number three, be kind to yourself. And as Anton said, it was really interesting to hear him pretty much repeat these back to me. And he absolutely loved that we don't run out of willpower, we run out of self-talk. So that's absolute gold. And the third thing he talked about was writing a plan and keeping the journal has really helped him as well, as it really cements the idea of being on the start line and pretty much knowing what's coming. So that was uh, Anton's sort of key takeaway. So Anton's going to win a, uh, a session with Kushler, um, and uh, hopefully that'll help him go even faster on his mountain bike. Yeah, absolutely. A really great episode too. And if, if that is one that you've missed, make sure you get over to wherever you find any good podcasts because uh, John had some really cool stuff to say, didn't he? It's um, really interesting to hear the insights. So uh, thanks very much for sending that in, Anton. Nice work. I'm sure you'll enjoy the, enjoy the consultation with Kushla. Yeah, good job. So uh, tonight's show, as you say, uh, brought to us by True Police Marino. So we've got this um, 
the Spency box, and we've got a True Fleece Merino beanie for uh, the middle of winter to keep you warm. Um, and I'm also going to just try it on to see. Yep, no, that's pretty oh. good, isn't it? How about that? So um, this is going to be one that's pre pre worn, and um, and that's going to wing its way to you. If you tell us what you learnt, the best bit of the show, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and um, and this beanie, which is going to be repackaged in this fancy box, is on its way to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah, great products, and like I say, head over to nz.trueflease.com to have a look at that website. It's a really, really great product. It's all from uh, Canterbury here. It's New Zealand owned and New Zealand made, and uh, it what's uh, what's keeping our showing uh, show going tonight. As always, if you have got a question throughout the show, make sure you put it in the comment section down below. Uh, we can see it in the back end, and uh, it's great to have your interaction throughout the show. So please do keep it up. It's great to hear you all out there. Nice. Onwards, Richard. Let's crack on, shall we? Uh, we'll have a bit of a chat through who we're having on the show tonight. So we're going to have, talk to Ruth Newstub. So I worked with uh, Ruth back 10 years ago or so, before Team CP was called Team CP. Complete performances was known then. Um, as she completed the Coast to Coast, but now she's back for another crack. I want to have a chat to her, how that went, what she's been doing in the meantime, and why she's actually decided to go and have this another crack and get her boat wet again. So I'm going to chat, chat to Ruth. Going to also, uh, backed by popular demand, Kim Vargo, a strength conditioning coach, is going to take talk all things strength conditioning and give you a couple of gems, I'm sure, to take away about that. But we're going to kick off the show with Bob McLaughlin. Jill, introduce Bob James. Yeah, absolutely. What a what a what a man! It's great to have Bob on, uh, and he's Bob's considered the ultimate New Zealand outdoorsman uh, so much that he's actually built himself a business around it, and uh, his business is best foot forward. So we're going to have a bit of a talk to Bob about all of his adventures today, and uh, hear about what's keeping him ticking. It's uh, it's great to have yeah, him along. Absolutely, absolutely. Shall so we bring in Bob? Shall we? I think so. Well, let's just let's just share this as well before we go to Bob. Yeah. So paddling some form of boat formed the cornerstone of Bob's life as he grew up kayaking before embarking on a uh, career as a professional raft guide initially. And then also that led into a whole bunch of different disciplines as he basically chased summers and then winters around the world. He was part of New the New Zealand rafting team that won a world title and it also has a number of Waka Armour titles to his name. He's competed extensively in adventure racing all over the world and more often than not probably ended up in the top step of the podium which is probably a testament to the hard man he is. Um, tonight pretty keen to share Bob's story as learnings from all his years of racing, adventuring and supporting others to do the same. Bob, yeah, are you out there? Absolutely, he's bringing Bob. What an interaction. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's uh, I don't have to say much after all that, do I? It's been good, yeah, no, that's great. It's and it's quite true. It's, I guess I grew up in a uh, in an environment in the in the country out there in the foothills of Canterbury, and uh, like you, you're probably a Crusaders supporter, but um, we won't go into that because not everyone is. Um, but yeah, growing up in Oxford, we were pretty close to the hills and pretty close to the rivers. So uh, that was my backyard uh, right through my earlier youth. And and my father actually uh, spent quite a bit of time, you know, just kayaking. Well, even the Wymac, which more from Woodstock, you know, down to the bridge was was his little section. And uh, it wasn't long into my life that I got invited along in an old canvas canoe. And uh, and that was my start into kayaking there, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. So tell us about the health and safety uh, requirements and what your parents helped you to make sure you stayed afloat and, and maybe more stayed warm opposed to afloat. 
Oh, yeah, well, it was quite rude. I mean, Dad had a life jacket, but it was one of the ones with the old plastic um, buoyancy pieces in it. And and as the as the life jacket probably got more deteriorated in the UV, the uh, plastic bits would pop out and just float off anyway. So it wasn't much cop, but I had a way better system, and I got Dad's old woolen jersey, which uh, had been through a hot wash. And uh, with going through a hot wash, it didn't fit him any longer, but it kept me warm. Probably didn't do a lot if I had it fallen in about keeping me afloat, but uh, it certainly helped with the warmth throughout, throughout the river journeys. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So, so you were exploring the backcountry and uh, running epic routes. You talked about a number when we chatted the other day um, before social media was about and before Strava was a thing. Um, how did that ultimately uh, lead you to setting up the business that you've got and, and running right now, Best Foot Forward? Tell us a little bit about about your adventures in the backcountry and how you've sort of got to be where you are today. Well, it probably started when I was a kid. We used to have a uh, little jar up the top of one of the the hills, which was probably only four or five hundred meters high. But um, and you had you'd go up and leave a note on with a pencil on and a pad and a jar, and uh, and then the next person you'd tell them there's a note for them, so they'd to read that note, they'd have to go up. So that kind of was a little regular thing, and it, and I guess it, uh, I just loved running in the hills and I never really ran on the flat just love running in the hills and I didn't have a bike at that stage so I used to run run everywhere to and, and my neighbor's place was about four or five k's up the road so that was a good run and uh and that just led me into um it, once I left home the the playground got a little bigger and uh the runs got a bit longer and and I uh, was still quite minimalist on gear I was I, I was definitely that Reinhold Messner kind of mentality of go light and, and keep going. So, and I used yeah. to just look on a map, pick a route, whether it be one day or two days or three days and just go running. Yeah. So that, that was great. And that, that just, I think it developed a, um, a passion for the outdoors and also a uh, understanding and a, and a probably a respect for, what nature can throw at you, whether it be, you know, stormy weather or cold weather or even, uh, you know, just flooded rivers, um, terrain that you think is going to be good on a map, but it's not. And uh, and how you, you're pretty minimal out there compared to what nature's got. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. And and how did that, and that evolve for you into overseas? Like you spent 30 years overseas uh, chasing Chasing the seasons. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, I when I left school, I I travelled overseas, and then uh, it kind of resulted in travelling following winters. And uh, I used to sort of do winter, 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 and then I um was back in New Zealand, and there was a there was a raft guides um course coming up, and I thought, oh, that'd be quite good for my kayaking at the time. And so yeah. I went and did this raft guides course, and then uh, some friends. Once I'd finished that, I did a season of rafting here in Queenstown, and then I, uh, a friend was going over to Nepal to do some trekking, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll come with you. And so we headed off over there, and then uh, after the trekking, I sort of talked to a local rafting company over there, and they were they were short on probably some safety kayakers, and so I tagged along as a safety kayaker. And then I, from there, it just led into from one season into another, traveling the world, rafting and a, a lot of those companies that I worked for also offered you know mountain biking or sea kayaking or um or numerous other things and uh and canyoning and that sort of thing so I, I just kind of 
followed those summers. And, and yeah, like you say, I did. I had about 40-odd summers straight, just about two or three a year. And uh, it was a good lifestyle. Good job, good job. So the definition of any good adventure is an outing that you're not quite sure how it's going to end up. I'm sure you've got a story to tell. Is there anything that kind of springs to mind? Oh, yeah. Maybe I'll add that in there as well. There's, there's probably a couple. Um, I know when I was a bit younger, I was, I was on a hunting trip with a mate, and uh, we were teenagers probably, and you sort of have a lot less idea of consequence then. And we, we came to this, there used to be a sort of Via Ferrata type wire rope around this big bluff, and, uh, and it had a, probably a 300-metre drop straight down into a river, and it was there for a good reason. But all the trees up above it in the re- recent rainstorm had... Um, had the whole earth and everything had stripped off that mountain and taken the wire rope out, and it was had plenty of water and a bit of mud still flowing down it, and we got to it, and we're like, God, it'll be good hunting up there. We'll, we'll just push on, and it had a little ledge that was only probably a maybe 50 mils wide, and, and, uh, and you probably had to go for about 15 metres along the thing to get over this bluff, and with a backpack and everything on, it was less than ideal and i wouldn't do it now but back then we, we egged each other on and and uh yeah it was it was once one person was across the other one had to go but we didn't come out that way hence to say and we were both alive to tell the story yeah <laughs> yeah, well, so, ones yeah. To tell, tell anybody else um yeah that's the one that you don't want mum to know about eh? <laughs> you didn't tell mum that one no no <laughs> but i probably had a couple of uh close incidences in whitewater kayaking too I, i've been pinned to the bottom of a river in my kayak and couldn't get out of my kayak because the water was pressing me pretty hard and uh it was you have plenty of time to think a lot goes through your mind you know you you sort of in fact a lot of my very early childhood friends go, you know, all those thoughts of them go flooding through your mind. You haven't thought of them for 20 years, but you instantly think of them. And then, uh, anyway, I managed to uh, come through a, a couple of those incidents and uh, and come out on the on the happy side of it. So it gives you respect for the water and respect for what you do. Yeah, obviously experience is a big part of that, isn't it? And, uh, and the more experiences you have and sort of, phew, got through that one all right but also having kids and a family that obviously must change things for you as well like just that whole perception of risk and what how much you're willing to to push the boundaries nowadays how, how's that changed over the years for you yeah well, i think as you get a bit older too you get a bit more aware of the consequence of risk and uh and then i guess we're a little bit more for you know, now with the technology and having, you know, your your PLBs, your personal locator devices and that sort of thing, it's it's a lot. Um, you sort of have a backup there in a way. Uh, but I still think it's really the, the lessons you learn from making some of those mistakes early on are really valuable. And with the family, you, you have to take sort of that extra caution. Although I must say my oldest daughter, Brooke, um, she's taken me on some pretty big missions. There was one when we were, we were doing a... We were supposed to do a hut, a two-hut hike, and uh, and anyway, we were running a bit late because I'd been biking with a mate, and by the time we got there, it was already late, and we got to the first hut and then decided, no, we're going to have to walk back out. We didn't have a whole lot of gear with us. In fact, we had no overnight gear and um, yeah. and no real torch. I had a phone with me, and that was it. And the rest of the hike was about 12 k's around another hut to another hut and back out, and my daughter was like, she's probably only – seven at the time but she was like no we're going to do that and i was like brooke it's it's not we haven't got a torch um we've only got 
two hours of daylight left and um and i don't know the track it won't be very good because it's not even it's not a form track and uh anyway she <laughs> she took me there and away we went so that was a bit of a thing i i that was a respect for me on what what kids can do because we nailed that and we were out on you know just after dark but um we only had one bar for the whole trip and she just went for it yep ran the whole way yeah right yeah. right right um with with the the multi-sport adventure racing the backcountry running events that are on they're a great way to help people build their confidence getting into the outdoors which is awesome but but on that family thing what tips and this is part of what your business is about as well isn't it what tips would you give families and groups that are looking uh to sort of complete a trip and, and get into the outdoors based on your um, experience and sort of guiding um, guiding of others? Yeah, I think it's really important for people to understand the, the risks that are out there and so to sort of try and mitigate those risks. And if one person, particularly with groups, if one person does the organising, they can make sure you've got first aid and make sure you've got communications and make sure you've got a map and that everyone's got the right uh, uh, clothing and equipment. And it's quite easy to find that out just by going, you know, if you look up um, a tramping gear list online, you could probably come up with a basic list and figure out what you need. And um, and then look at doing something smaller for a start until you get to know your gear and how, because, you know, if you, if you plan a big one, you're going to end up with probably boots that chafe or shoes that rub or a backpack that's not comfortable or something, and you're going to find out, um, part way through and still have a long way to go. So go and go and test your gear, and then um, also be aware that there is there's tracks with bridges and huts, and and uh, and so choose something that gives you that safety. You know, like a, a backup, like a hut where you can stay if it's going to rain, and if the rivers could come up, then um, you know that there are bridges that you can get back across, and uh, and also making sure you've you've uh, logged in a, a, a trip plan with somebody so they know and then you know they know when you should be out and uh, that way there is another backup there as well as your communication systems that you might take along with you and I think um, asking anyone that's done those things before is a really that's the best tip you can have is uh, getting someone that's been there and done that and they know whether there's a slip in there or whether it takes a lot longer than it looks on the map or you know, all those little details that you can't exactly see on the map. Nice, nice. Um, you, um, you, you've got this business, Best Foot Forward, that I've spoken about a couple of times already. What was the reason for originally setting that up? Well, it's, it came about, I was, um, I just sold, when I first moved to Wanaka, I uh, had a property maintenance business and that, that uh, consumed a lot of time and uh, and then also it consumed Kat and myself to run the thing and, and then she got another job opportunity so I had to make up my mind on what to do and and uh, at the time I was doing a bit of racing over in China and I just saw um, how many people were just logged into their phone. To, honestly, they had battery packs. Everyone has a battery pack on their phone because they're on it that often and I was just like, if ever New Zealand gets that way, it's kind of a sad day. And I just thought I'd love to um, start trips into the backcountry that offer just getting away from devices and just spending quality time with family or friends and uh, and going to really special places. And and that instigated the start of a, of a business um, that was outdoor orientated. And then I also had a lot of people just asking about, uh, you know, 
how to set yourself up to race or to train and, and also, you know, skills for paddling or for, for hiking or biking. So it kind of just evolved from there. Yeah, nice, nice well, that's, um, a, that's a really nice point I think you raised there about technology because you're right. Like I think, you know, the reliance on phones and bits and pieces like that is so much more prevalent now. Where do you – we talked about technology and PLBs and that sort of technology being available to help you in the backcountry, but where's the balance? Where do you see the balance between having technology that helps you in the outdoors but then also being disruptive when you're trying to spend time with friends and family? Like that's where – where do you see that balance lying? I think it naturally um, dissolves a little bit. I mean, obviously, people take their phones and stuff when they go back country a lot just for photos because it's your main camera these days. And um, I think, though, it actually is a good way of sharing that trip afterwards. Um, but when you're outdoors, you, the communication goes right back to the basics. All you really need is shelter and you need... Um, you know, good food, good shelter and, and good clothing, basically, and you're going to get through. And I think a lot of people, you know, they go back to those simple things. And I see it a lot with families where that communication of, oh, we'll start a fire. And then it's like, oh, how are we going to do that? And uh, and it's like the, the son will be like, oh, I think we can break up this little grass bit here and get some sticks. And, and then dad's, you know, and they, and they chip in. And so they share a lot without even realizing that those things are really valuable after the trip the communication that goes on is something that at home you know there's always something in the way of that you know someone's got a phone going or a computer or a meeting they've got to go to so those simple things and that quality time together comes out anyway in those trips yeah it's just about being here and now and present isn't it and and focusing on what's happening right in front of you it is, and enjoy, and having the time to enjoy it, I think. You know, when you're standing there and you're looking at something amazing and sharing it with someone, and uh, the, it sort of brings out a lot in people, you know, just that you are relaxing and that you're able to absorb it because so often you're looking at something, but you're not really absorbing it because you're thinking about something totally different. And, uh, and then you get to share it with your friends or your family, and so it becomes a lot more relevant and a lot more cemented into your and you and you relax while you're out there too, mentally. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. It does take some time, doesn't it, to actually relax oh, and sort of chill out. And three days, three days, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be the way. Nice, nice. Um, Bob, let's jump back into your adventure racing and all the different things you've done there. So you spent lots of years pushing the boundaries and and uh, toying with that sleep monster. Um, yeah. Plenty of people actually getting into the sport and God's own sort of uh, lots of that sort of stuff, uh, lots of banter and talk about that and people wanting to get out into those adventures. What are your two or three sort of top tips around actually I want to go and do this big multi-day adventure race um, mission? What are some key things that people should be thinking about from your experience? Well, I think if you're getting an adventure race, if you're going to do adventure racing, it obviously involves a team. And that involves teamwork. And I think the first thing you've got to do is um, get your team together and talk about what your goal is in that adventure race so that everyone's on the same page. And you might disagree at the start, but then you'll come to a, come to a mutual understanding of where, where you want to be at the end of that race, whether it be finishing or whether it be winning or whether it be you know, placing or, or meeting a cutoff. You know? So then you're all on the same page. And... Then I think it's understanding your teammates and uh, 
and being really open about your strengths and weaknesses because we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses and every person in that team is going to be doing the best that they can possibly do to get through that race. And, uh, and you've got to understand that even when they're not doing well, they're doing the best that they can. And so um, to be able to share the load, if, if one person's strength is you know, carrying big, heavy things, that's great. They can help someone else out, whereas someone else might be an amazing navigator or, or you know, really good with first aid and, and just keeping the teamwork, eating. and So develop roles amongst your team. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key. And then when you get out and you're training, you can practice those things and, uh, and you can find out where people's strengths and weaknesses are and you all have overlaps where one person can help out another and i think that's the key to adventure racing um is that most of your adventure racing is in training and you've got to have a lot of fun and so if you're having fun in training you'll have fun racing too and that's one of the key reasons why you sign up in the first place for all the adventures and things you do in training to be able to sit down and and uh and uh have a meal at the end of the day and and, uh, reflect on all the adventures that you've had it's quite true, yeah. Like, um, and a lot of the ones that you reflect on, you don't even remember, because <laughs> uh, everyone, even though you've got four-person team or three-person team, you've done an adventure race, and uh, and at the end of it, you've all had a totally different experience, even though you've travelled as a team. And so, sharing those things can often jolt a few memories that you've uh, that you've forgotten, especially with sleep monsters. Yeah, <laughs> you were there, but not really there. Um... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, brilliant. So, so heading along that racing line again, um, you've been obviously in venture racing in uh, a few years back. Was it 2016? You had a first crack at the coast to coast, straight into the longest day, 44 years old, and got second, first time up. That's a pretty awesome result. Yeah, I have to say I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, that was that was a, a good hard day at the office. Yep. Yeah. Was it was it 2016? Is that when you did that? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, I, was, I sold the business and I was like, oh, I've, I always wanted to do the one-day coast and uh, and uh, I was like, right, this is my year. I'm, I'm going to spend – I had a bit more time on my hands to train, so um, I was like, I'll knuckle down and do it. And I, I felt like I had the basic skills there. I just had to uh, put it all together. And I think when you do the coast, there's um, you've got to sort of have a look at – what the disciplines are, how how long each one's roughly going to take you and where you can make the most time. And then I really believe you have to look at all the things that possibly could go wrong. Some people will disagree with me here and you can go, okay, if that does go wrong, this is how I'm going to deal with it. If that goes wrong, there'll be things that you don't think of. And then once you understand that you can, you know, something's not going to shock you and then you can get on with the positive parts of the race and develop that. Um, I've, I've even had a person that uh, didn't com- didn't complete the coast, and uh, they were talking to me a while back, and they're like, "Yeah." I said, "What? Why didn't you complete the coast?" And they said, "Oh, my watch stopped." So you know, it, 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 all sorts of things can affect people differently, and uh, and yeah, I was fortunate enough to have a few things go wrong, but managed to deal with most of them on the way through. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No. Good. Ticked it off. So, so have you retired now, or, or I mean, if, as I say, you retired. Uh, you've had that outing, but it, the only reason you retire is so you can make a comeback. When are you going to be next back on the start line? Well, I, I did go. I did the coast this year, but just in a tandem scenario, which was fun. Actually, I did it with Flavio, and we had a great time. But 
I wouldn't go back. I, I've been building a house, and so I've taken a year, you know, a year and a half off, basically, of doing any training. And so I went back, and I just was hurting. I was in the hurt locker pretty much the entire first day. So, um, and my second, for that matter. <laughs> so I wouldn't yeah, do that yeah. again. Flavio, yeah. would you have sort of any any sort of leeway there? Oh, he had dropped biscuits out in front of me, so I had to keep going forward to get my next feed. Yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, I, I would definitely go back and do it again. And um, I, I don't know when yet, but uh, I, I enjoy I enjoy the racing and I enjoy the training. And uh, but most of it's just keeping fit. And uh, my priority at the moment, with having two young girls and and the family and whatnot, is more getting out and doing what they or you know what they like to do. And they have mission. My, my two daughters choose a backcountry hut, and they choose a um. Alpine Lake each each year for their birthday, and so we do some quite good missions just achieving those. Yeah, cool. That's a great thing to do. That's good. Lots of ideas. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, you're you're also a kite guide, and you help people develop their skills and and on the river and their confidence as well. Over the weekend, just been you caught up with Ruth Newstub, who we're going to talk on the show next. Actually, so it's interesting to hear your perspective, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about Ruth's perspective in a moment. So um, so we'll sort of suss that out. But as a kayak instructor, how do you look to build um, confidence on the water, build skills, and and make sure people are enjoying their experience? That's a good question. I think with, uh, I mean, guiding for my entire life too has, has been an asset there, I think. And you often get someone, and even some top-notch athletes that I know ha- have sort of learned kayaking just as they went along and so sometimes just to break it down and bring it back to the to the starting blocks and just sort of work back through it you often get the mental little hints of their insecurities and also their strengths and so sometimes you have to build on something um not necessarily because their skill is lacking but because their maybe confidence may be lacking and you pick up those things just in conversation and also in just seeing them doing at uh, doing different little tasks and uh and so most of it that happens with the skill development is a confidence building aspect of it which is a lot of just personality just edging a little bit out of that person each time and then building slowly on one little thing so that you can move forward um, step by step uh, so that you don't take that big, too big of a step to knock the confidence back again. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really about reading the person, isn't it? It's a big part of it is actually, yep, yep. And people will people will only go forward if they're confident in what they're doing right now. Otherwise, um, if you take them beyond that confidence, they'll they'll step back and you have to start again. So you you do have to just do, move forward at the pace that you can and and try and sometimes take different approaches. Everyone receives different instruction or um, even technique differently. So someone, you might have two people that click with one way of saying something and then another person you might have to come over and just just uh, introduce that topic differently for them so that they can understand it. Yep. Yep. It sounds, it sounds as though listening to your story, Flavio knew exactly what he was doing when he dropped those biscuits in front of you. He knew exactly how to make you keep moving. Well, he did, and he even they even got better throughout the day, yeah? And the funny thing was, in the kayak, as I was in front, um, there was just a paddle over my head with a bit of string on it, 
And uh, out in front of that was a Moro bar, and I do quite like the old Moro or Snickers bar, so um, that kept me paddling. That's a masterclass. <laughs> That's we should all learn something yeah. from that. It's about working with the people, and Flavio yeah. knows exactly how to get Bob going. Nice work. Yeah, it's all about it's all about teamwork. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's great stuff. Well, I'll tell you what, should we should we jump in with a quick five, Richard? How does that sound? Yeah, sounds good, James. Absolutely. So we've got five quick questions, Bob. Uh, not allowed to think too much about these, but just to finish finish the show up and uh, and uh, I guess get a better feel for where you're at and, and how you like to do things. Yep, nice. that sounds great. Here we go. Question number one. Training, morning or evening? Morning is much better. Yep, get it out the way early. Nice. Good job. That's awesome. Add that one to the morning list, to the mini. Um, yep. Sweet or savoury? Oh, I'm savoury, but if I'm racing, I don't mind a little bit of sweet. So hard one to answer there, but preferably savoury. Oh, well, well and truly aware of your racing nutrition. You've told us enough about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm probably lying, aren't I? It's probably sweet, but yeah. <laughs> Nice. With that said, family meal, uh, uh, sorry, a fancy meal out or uh, a home-cooked meal? I'm pretty fortunate with having Kat, my wife, is an amazing cook, so sometimes I get disappointed with a fancy meal out. Mm. <laughs> That's only when she needs a break from cooking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good answer. Well done, Bob. Is she just over the way, is she? Yep, yep, she is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, she's listening probably. <laughs> No, that's good. Um, a bike, a run, or something else? What would you prefer if you had a choice? Oh, um, I'd go for a run. Yeah, oh. yeah. Just from where I live, it's easy. Just because, it, yeah, it's easy just to hit, have a hit out straight out of home. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice yeah. Finish it off then on that vein. Favourite river to paddle? My favourite river to paddle is... Oh, depends if you're talking rafting, kayaking, or out. But um, I would have to say, for kayaking, what one of my favourite rivers to paddle would be probably the Perth on the uh, west coast, west coast oh, of New wow. Zealand. Mm. Yeah, why is that? Yep. Uh, it's just a really stunning river, helicopter access, and uh, you go through some amazing gorges, and it's just got real good flow there's lots of sort of booth rocks and slides and it's just got really good flow to it and the colors and usually you're in there with some really good mates so you can't go wrong with that recipe yeah brilliant bob that's fantastic hey thanks for sharing thanks for joining us um awesome insights and uh look forward to catching up with you over the summer as we help a bunch of people uh, get onto the start line of their various events great thanks very much and thanks for all the listeners we'll catch you out there Good job, James. Well done. Pushing the buttons well tonight. Uh, what was your key learning out of that? Oh, I love it. I think there was some really great stuff to take away. I love Bob's enthusiasm just for everything, pretty much. Um, and, uh, you know, hearing about those, uh, the hair raising stories and stuff that uh, the ones that you don't tell mum about, I, I really enjoyed listening to that. Um, but just, yeah, going out into the bush and just enjoying the tranquility of it, detaching from all of your technology, just enjoying yeah. being out there and bringing it back to basics. Where are we going to sleep? How do we light a fire? What are we going to eat? That's good stuff. Yeah. What about you? You do enjoy the food so much more in that situation, don't you? Because you've earned it as well and, uh, and you're hungry for it.
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Bob loves a good chocolate biscuit too, by the sound, so uh, <laughs> he's not going to go hungry. No, that's right. So uh, we've almost given you an answer there. So all you need to do is type in uh, a comment, a learning, uh, a best bit, etc., and you're going to win this super cozy True Fleece Merino beanie. It's going to be winging its way to you. Just flick us a comment, and uh, and it'll be all yours. We'll draw draw it before next week's show, and we'll let you know who's won. Nice one. Keep them coming through, team. It's uh, great to hear from you when you're out there. On with the show, Richard. On with the show, absolutely. Pretty excited to catch up with Ruth next. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, we worked with Ruth a good 10 years ago. I'm not exactly sure. She might be able to do better maths than I can, but but it was a while ago. And um, she was shooting for doing the Coast to Coast as an individual back in the day. Uh, lots of different stuff's happened. She's back to have another crack. So if Ruth is in the background there, James, you want to push some buttons and see if we can have a chat to Ruth. G'day. Thank you. How are you doing, Ruth? Good, good. I just um, love listening to Bob. Um, yeah, he's just as special in person as he as he came across tonight, a true legend. Um, yes, yes. And just, yeah, so much fun and so enthusiastic, yeah, yeah. about everything. Fantastic New Zealander, eh? Uh, and one of the yeah. key reasons for getting on the show tonight is you had first-hand experience over the weekend, went down to Wanaka, and uh, and it's about paddling and building confidence and getting on the river and things. So how did you get on over the weekend paddling on the Clutha with Bob? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, it's the first time I've been on the Clutha and um, I thought what better opportunity than um, my first uh, proper foray back into moving water on the Clutha yeah. um, with Bob. Uh, but I'd heard lots of great things about him. So I hit him up and um, lucky enough, our diaries aligned and so we hit the water on Friday morning. Um, yeah, so it's really interesting to hear him talk about how his approach is for uh, different uh, students. Because um, I guess for me, you know, I've done a lot of kayaking in the past, but it's been well and truly a decade since I've been in the boat. So, um, yeah, just taking that, I think it was your advice, Rich, to take a beginner's mindset which has um, put me in a, a good place so we um, spent a bit of time before even we even got on the water just going through the basics which was really good to have that refresh and just put you in the right mindset before you hit the water yeah yeah and that's a really good point actually isn't it and, um, and Bob would have talked about this if we sort of asked him more about it but it's it's I'm sure the hardest people to teach are those that sort of pretend that they know or think that they should um, but if you just go I've got nothing you just start from the ground up and then there's always something there that you'll learn as you as you build forward into it so that's an awesome way to approach things and 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 learning and developing and and I guess building that confidence from zero rather than pretending that you're up here well actually secretly you're probably not yeah absolutely so from um, the beginning of the session to the end uh, my confidence um, yeah had improved immensely and just to be um, playing in the rapids and ferrying across the waves mm -hmm. um, by the end of the session back and forth back and forth um, yeah you wouldn't have I wouldn't have said that I would have been doing that um, at uh, 8.59 on Friday morning so yeah it's awesome. And I want to touch on that, 8.59, Friday morning. It's in Wanaka. It's the middle of winter. I'm sure that water was a little bit chilly. Did you did you put your toe in? No, no. I was just like, no, I just I won't do that. It might put me off. But um, <laughs> we were we were treated to an amazing, beautiful morning. You just the water was clear. Um, yep. Yeah, Bob had been on the river the night before doing a search and rescue recce, so he was regaling me with tales of 
of that as well. So, um, yeah, it was you couldn't have asked for better conditions. Yeah, brilliant. So crisp would be a way that you'd sum it up. Would that be fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. But like the, the great thing about kayaking and, and especially, you know, when you're having to kayak through winter um, for coast is that really it's just making sure the top half of your body is adequately covered and, and warm because the boat takes care of the rest of it. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Um, Ruth, let's just hark back a little bit. Tell us about your previous coast-to-coast experience. Sure. So I think, Rich, it was early 2008 we started right. working together. Um, I think you're a bit of a um, – you weren't that, that far off um, being back in New Zealand and um, word yeah. of mouth and reputation. There's this guy that runs this business yeah. and can help you get to coast. Um, Which you're almost that, actually, just putting on that. That's You're almost one of the originals. Ruth, the sort mm, of the almost not quite yeah yeah, almost, yeah. <laughs> yeah um so yeah they had never um paddled never run any great distance um and had done a little bit of biking but again nothing serious so um and I at the time it's going to be a terrible giveaway to my age but at the time that I had set myself a goal that I wanted to do coast to coast before I was 40 so um I did the first year, I did it as a team and uh, was a kayaker. And yep. then the second year, so that was 2009, and then in 2010, um, decided to do it as an individual. So um, the first time around, um, I had a serious mechanical, was um, on the boat um, section, which uh, led me to being stuck or marooned on a um on a beach just around uh, past the Broken River age station. So they couldn't actually get to me for a few hours by the time um, messages got back and um, managed to get my boat up and running again. So limped home um, when all the one-dayers were coming in. So I think Gordon Walker was back in the day then. We always said, oh, you're having a bad day on the river if the one-dayers pass you. So that was <laughs> my experience on the first day. Um, yeah. And then um, 2010 was the weather bomb. So I think, okay. you know, um, Bob Bob was saying about um, adventure is things that you don't um, necessarily plan for. And so I felt that I'd had everything possibly thrown at me um, on my uh, first, uh, first go down the gorge. And then, um, yeah, it was pretty disappointing not to be able to paddle the gorge and to be ending up on the Avon and low tide was just awesome. So I think me and the gorge have um, we've still got a bit of history to go yet. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And which leads me to my next question: Why do you want to come back and have another crack at it now? Get that boat wet. Um, yeah. So um, last last year um, was a, a pretty big year for everybody around the world. Um, yep. We had a, another. Um, complication and that I had a cancer diagnosis late last year um, really pleased to say that I'm sort of three weeks uh, three months back into full-time work and and ticking along but I think um, for my husband and I it was really a way to how do we just sort of move on from this and do something together which is kind of ironic because if you're doing teams you're not doing anything together but um, yeah, and so just um, having a, a, a goal that's positive and um, something to help me rebuild my strength and, and fitness again. And um, poor old Andrew's heard many stories um, around the campfire from our friends on our Coast to Coast Day, so now he gets to 
to share in it too. Yeah, nice. And that's that shared experience. Although it's a relay team and you won't see much of each other on the actual weekend, it is that those shared experiences in the lead up and the adventures beforehand and, and doing it together, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, we've got the uh, first class or world class support crew lined up. So we're pretty amped about that as well. <gasps> Will there be shoulder massages? After day one? Oh, I don't know. I have to put that on the list, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the ever-growing list. What have we done? Yeah. What are you most looking forward to about the summer ahead? Um, yeah, I think just um, doing missions um, mm-hmm. on the river um, and just reconnecting with old friends again. That's been really cool. Um, I think the fact that it's the 40th anniversary, um, there's a few of what we refer to as the old crew um, from 10 plus years ago coming out of the woodwork, whether it be um, in the event itself or as support crew. So just, yeah, really looking forward to that connection. And I think my biggest memory, um, memories from last time around was actually that the adventures that you went on, not not necessarily about the race itself. and, you know, still friends with a lot of people that, um, you know, you, you made friends for life mm-hmm. um, through those shared experiences as well. Yeah, nice, nice. What's going to be your biggest challenge as you prepare for this? Um, splitting an even amount of time between my mountain bike and my kayaking. Okay. <laughs> Over yeah. summer. Yeah, because yeah. I did um, last year, I... Um, had been the fittest I'd been on my mountain bike and so I lost a, a summer of um, of mountain biking so you know it's just trying to find that balance of um, remembering to always do the things that bring you joy so I love being in the boat and I love paddling um, but I, I also have a special place in my heart for my mountain bike as well. Yeah, nice. Good job. That's a good answer. Um, yeah, that's a good challenge to have, isn't it? That I'm struggling yeah. to know which one I enjoy the most. Um, yeah. uh, we've been working together for a little while now. What's what's a, a key sort of takeaway or thing that that uh, that I guess you've learned because that's a key part of it over the time and, and has helped you get to where you want to go in terms of that, that working together? I think... Um... It probably sounds a bit cliche, but it's actually true. And, um, you know, as you get older, you get wiser. But, you know, follow your training plan. Um, And I remember saying um, sort of early on the piece this time around, it's like, actually, if I just do what Richard tells me to do and I'm honest with him about how I'm feeling and how I'm tracking, I will absolutely get to the the start line and to the finish line. I guess I'm lucky that we've been through this twice before and you've, you've got me to the finish line both times. But... It really is about um, following your training plan and above all else, just being consistent. And sometimes that might feel monotonous because you're doing the same things over and over again. And then eventually a couple of months later, you'll look back and go, wow, look look the progress I've made. And that consistency has really paid off. Nice, yeah, building that and building that momentum with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So just basically do what I'm told, Rich. (laughs) Just, oh, actually, uh, James, if you're in the background, could you just edit that and grab that? We might use that going forward in the future. Definitely made notes of that. There's some great stuff in there. Well, I love what you just said there. Always do things that bring you joy. Nice one, Ruth. I love that. Thanks very much for sharing it. Cool. Good job. Yeah. Uh, Ruth, we've got a quick five that we're going to send your way as well. Um, not uh, too much thinking okay. about this. James, yep. you want to fire away? Radio Ruth, here we go. Same as before, training morning or evening? Morning. Nice. 
Favorite training session? Uh, team CP Swift at the moment. Okay, oh, there we go. Okay, good. Yep. Great Perfect. answer. Well done. Uh, fancy meal out or a home cooked meal? Um, I am very low brow, but I have to say a fancy meal out because um, I cook all the the meals at home. Um, so being a vegan, it's great when you're able to go out and have an amazing meal and somebody else is cooking it. It's just awesome. Yeah. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Good job. That's a very good answer. Uh, yeah. Sweet or savoury? Um, I'm both, actually. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. nice. Very good. Good stuff. Great answer. It's great to have a foot in both camps. And we'll finish up yeah. with what's your favourite event of all time? Um, do you know what? It probably was, um, oh, this is so hard, but in terms of sheer slog and pain and hurt locker, it would have to be Contact Epic, the 95k um, a few years ago, severely undercooked, had no business being there. Um, but my husband rode with me. I think it took me about 10 hours. We, we were probably the last people off the course, but we made it. So it was, yeah, it was one for the record books, that's for sure. <laughs> that's <Sorry. a> good. <laughs> yeah, going deep. And uh, it, it might be a fair bit of type two fun, but it definitely makes for a good story, doesn't it, Ruth? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Good job. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being so open and and um, and uh, jumping on board. All the best for the for the adventures that you've got ahead. And looking forward to working with you and and ultimately cheering across that finish line in February. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, team. Have a good evening. Good thanks, Ruth. Cheers, Ruth. Thanks for sharing. Take care. See ya. Oh, nice I love it, Richard. I love the positivity. Eh? How good. Yeah, this this uh, truthfully speedy is almost going to be yours, James. With the with the uh, notes that you're making as we go, the uh, always do things that bring you joy. I've just seen you note that down in their notes in the back end. You've done very well. Absolutely, I think that's a lesson for anybody, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Yeah. Why would you do something that you don't enjoy? Um, but as Rose said, some bit of type two fun never goes astray either, does it? No, too right. Yeah, too right. Keep your questions coming in for uh, that True Fleece beanie, folks. It's got to be one, so make sure your name's on the list. You've got to be in to win. It's uh, super comfy and uh, super awesome price, so please keep uh, your comments coming in. Easy. Right, Kim Vargo, let's let's uh, throw some tin around. Talk strength training. Getting massive, eh? It's <laughs> getting big, something that you and I are still working on. <laughs> yeah, could do better. Is that true, yeah. Kim? Will I get massive? I think I asked you this the other week as well. So it's probably oh, that, pretty nice answer. That's quite a loaded question. And I'm not quite sure how to answer that one for you. Do you want to get massive? <laughs> yeah. You should work out more. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, no. Anyway. Yeah, good job. So, so Kim, you're doing lots of great stuff in regards to strength training and helping a bunch of people all around the place, both sort of locally and also um, via some online stuff as well, which is really cool mm. in terms of uh, just connecting with our community and helping people do that little bit of something different rather than just going and running and biking and paddling and swimming more. Actually, how do we become strong and how do we become more efficient? And and I guess it's time efficient in regards to the big picture plan. So, mm. um Got a couple of questions here, and this first one is actually from our previous podcast we had uh, with you a few weeks back. That a question popped up just after we'd finished. But what are the for 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 the old athletes of plus fifty odd, 55, 60 odd? Um, are there some key exercises that you would give 
people that have been around for a while in regards to helping them out from a performance perspective? Yeah, it's a good question. And uh, we've been chatting about that. And I have a set of exercises that I think are just key for everybody to do regardless of age. And I think if she's asking at 55 or 50 or whatever, whoever, um, however old they are, that's an epic question. And that means she's actually caring about um, strength for long term. And so I the same exercises for a 55 year old, I would definitely give a 20 year old. It's just thinking about her or his um, life, what's their health history, what's the load, what's the intensity going to look like, what's the range of motion that we're going to be working with. So the exercise doesn't necessarily change, but the intensity or um, the yeah the load and that kind of stuff changes. So yeah. the, a top five set of exercises for 55 or older or master's athlete wouldn't necessarily change for a younger athlete. There's just some kind of parameters around that person. Yeah, and I guess it depends on how active they currently are, what industry yeah. they have, all those sorts of things. And then you then then they'll just edit those exercises as necessary to make sure at the right level for that individual. Yeah. There's lots of progressions that you can give someone um, that will still help them along their way. Even if they're injured, they can still be moving for sure. Yeah, nice work. Good stuff. Should I go to the gym or can I do stuff at home? What are your thoughts? Or should I what gear do I need if I do stuff at home? What's the best? Yeah, that's a that's a, another really good question. I think a lot of people are like, "Oh man, I need to get a gym, you know, gym membership going." And I think the reality is, if you have a gym membership, awesome! You have such an opportunity and a wealth of gear there that you can use. If you don't have a gym membership, that doesn't mean that you have to run out and go get one. I think you can have a very excellent workout at home with a couple of pieces of gear. Like I'd go a fairly heavy kettlebell, something in the 16 to 20 kilo range, um, some dumbbells, minimum eight kilos, um, some bands and maybe a yoga ball. And you can do a lot of stuff with those minimal extra, uh, minimal bits of equipment. Um, but yeah, if you've got a gym membership, knock yourself out. If you don't, don't let that hinder you as far as your mindset for getting a good bit of work in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, brilliant. Good job. And uh, talk to me a little bit more about that efficiency thing. How does how does it work from a strength perspective in regards to me running, pushing the pedals, paddling, swimming, etc.? Yeah, sure. So someone who's a who's been training on the strength side of things as an athlete is going to have a lot more efficiency. They're going to be able to get a lot more bang for their buck because their muscles are just being used and they're stronger. So if someone who doesn't have a strength background is going to go out and do a you know a, a session on the bike versus someone who has been training on that strength, the efficiency, the output of that strength-trained athlete is going to be far superior. They're not going to have to work as hard for the results that they're looking to achieve. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So if you think from a muscular perspective, I'm going to be using uh, seventy-five percent of my muscles to do this, this percentage of my yep. quads muscles to be able to push the pedal to go that speed, opposed to using eighty or eighty-five percent. So I'm just a little bit more efficient. So I'm going to yeah. hopefully have a bigger smile on my face and be able to have a bit more <laughs> uh, towards the end of the event or or training session. Yeah, you've got a lot more power to to put out. You've got yep. everything, your muscle has been adapted to the resistance and the training. And so you're able just to be more efficient. And the other thing that I'm really passionate about is that core to extremity kind of concept. So if you want to be efficient in your extremity movements, you've got to have a nice, solid, tight core 
to be able to produce the power going out for your arms, your legs, everything else. Awesome. Good job. Uh, how do people get in touch with you, Kim? Uh, because it's actually not just for Team CP athletes. You work with anybody that, that wants yeah. to help. Yes. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can message me uh, through Team CP. Any of the coaches pretty much uh, I work with them as well, so they can direct you to me. But, um, yeah, just drop me, drop me a Facebook message. I'll answer. <clears throat> yeah. Good job. Cool. Can I say I'm a big, yeah, having had you gently uh, giving the encouragement in the gym, uh, Kim, I can say that, yeah, totally, I, 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 the, the strength training does really work and it, uh, it uh, pays huge dividends if you are willing to put in the time and work and uh, having experienced it firsthand, it's a big plus. So I would encourage everybody to get on board and uh, do some strength winning. There's my, uh, there's my free plug, Kim. Nice one. Yeah, thank you. And a little plug for you guys is movement is medicine. You are not just strength training, you are strength training yourself for life. So it's not just for your event, you're teaching yep. yourself and you're prolonging that strength to be able to walk upstairs as you're older, to be able to bend over to pick things up. So it's not just for your sport, you're training yourself for life. Good. Well done. Nice. Can I go past nice. Good job, Kim. Thanks. Cool. For See sharing. you guys. Thanks for joining us. Well done. Talk no soon. Thanks, Kim. Bye. See ya. Well done, nice James. You're work. pretty efficient on those buttons tonight. You've done very well. Oh, well, you know, I'm to please, but I love that. We're not training for strength. We're training for life. What a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, good. Do you want me just to send you this uh, fancy true fleece beanie right now, do you? No, don't send it to me. Send it to somebody that'll uh, that deserves it. I'm uh, merely the I'm merely the man on the buttons. We've had some great questions coming in, but it's still not too late. So make sure you uh, you put in your questions and your learnings from tonight's show. Uh, three really great speakers, and uh, we've learned a lot. Had some really great conversations. So make sure you're in to win from uh, from True Fleece uh, on our Facebook page. Absolutely. Hey, for those people that are out and about adventuring this weekend, doing their own things, or turning up to an event, I know Angus would like to uh, us to have a have a bit of a promotion towards the cyclocross this weekend. That that he, I'm sure he's probably doing Ricky laps prior to Sunday at the moment. So that's going on this weekend in Christchurch, and then also down in Centro Otago, the Mount Difficulty Challenge. So our coach Fiona is down there, going to have a crack, and we've got a number of athletes going down there to. Um, to brave the winter and the steepness and the ruggedness of that is the Mount Difficulty um, Challenge as well. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. And hopefully we get a bit of dry weather as well. So uh, a nice opportunity to get out there and get it done. Good job. Look at hey, that. Thanks for sitting in the hot seat tonight, James. Uh, really, really appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully everyone out there enjoyed the show tonight. And, um, yeah, keep in touch. Send any comments through and uh, looking forward to catching you next week. Nice work. Thanks, everybody. And thanks to our uh, show sponsors, True Fleece. Again, head over to nz.truefleece.com. A great website, a great product, and a proud sponsor and uh, partner of our show. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.